We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye, hitting you with a podcast on the overall state of the Brooklyn Nets after their 50-point loss to the Boston Celtics, 136-86. This is the vibe heading into All-Star break. The Nets' back-to-back losses to Boston. Just a very bad vibe and overall terrible momentum for this team. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you subscribe and review the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But obviously, this game was a 50-point loss. You know, it was over over midway through the second you know the Boston had a 15 point lead after one quarter by the halftime it was 30 plus and you never really believed the Nets were going to come back in this game just the overall momentum and vibe was terrible Boston this game rested Al Horford and Jalen Brown obviously many of their starters if not all their starters barely played any minutes in the second half of this game and for the Nets they really got clamped up right from the rip in this one. You know, no one could create an advantage. And when they did create an advantage, it was, you know, it was shut down very quickly. Boston was able to make the rotations, shut everything down, and just put the Nets in a difficult spot. You know, they didn't help by missing a ton of shots. And defensively, you know, Boston cooked them. You know, they were just able to get whatever they won on the offensive end of the floor. Guys were just getting wide open three after wide open three. So really bad performance. You know, not really a ton to take away from this one other than the fact is the Nets have a severe talent deficit, especially when you're looking at arguably the best team in the league or one of the true contenders. You know, this is a good a good gauge for them. You know, back to back nights. You know, how do they play in the second out of a back to back? Back to back. They just lost to Boston, you know, in Brooklyn in a game where I thought they had some good moments up and down. There was opportunities to maybe make it closer than it was. Jason Tatum, you know, hit some ridiculous threes in that one. But, you know, now you play this opponent again. They just beat you on your home court. Are you going to come out with energy before the All-Star break? Try to build some momentum, to, you know, having a chance maybe to make a play in later in the season. But instead, they're not locked in. They look like they're ready for All-Star break, ready for vacation. Guys are not playing good basketball offensively, defensively. And, you know, some might say they quit on the coach. You know, usually you don't lose by 50 points if you're locked in, engaged, and playing super competitive. You know, if the Nets were just playing full cylinder in terms of aggressiveness, attention to detail, and just kind of grinding out there. You know, even if Boston was playing their best game possible, the Nets would at least be within 20. You know, this is a 50-point loss. Like, this is as bad as it gets in the NBA for a team that's supposed to be quote-unquote competitive. So, Brooklyn really just, 
in a bad state right now. You know, there's no other way to put it. You know, the fan base is very disappointed in numerous different things from the decision making to the lack of trades to the lack of, you know, attention on specific players and their development. And we're going to jump into that and more in the rest of this episode. We're going to take a quick break before we do so. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But as I said, you know, we're kind of getting into what is this team, where are they at? You know, 21 and 33, a game or two behind the play-in spot, you know, give or take whatever happens with Atlanta tonight. And bottom half of the league and majority of important statistics, you know, that's bottom 15 offensive rating, bottom 15 defensive rating. Guys just are not playing well. You know, they're not playing up to their standards. There's just been a lot of disappointment across the board after we saw some really good glimpses from this team post-All-Star break last year. After the trade, we saw Mikel Bridges really excel. We saw Nick Claxton still find a way to have an impact with even without playing with the Stars. You know, we saw a great stretch from Cam Johnson in the playoffs. And, you know, this year, a lot of guys are not playing up to that level and they're underperforming. And specifically guys that you counted on to be the best players in this team, not performing at a high level is really preventing you from being competitive. Because there was obvious, you know, talent issues with this team going into the season you thought hey maybe if x y and z step up there's a chance we could make up for some of those you know a little luck here and there and next thing you know we're potentially competing for a playoff spot or we have a playing spot pretty much lacked up instead you know the nets as i mentioned are out of the plan of the playoff started today you know there's a chance they could do it in the second half of the season but their schedule isn't very easy in terms of you know who we've seen the Nets capable of beating because there's really no guaranteed win for them at this point in time. So overall, it's it's kind of scary what's happening with this team. But getting into players specifically, you know, looking at Mikel Bridges, you know, this is a guy that you looked at to be the best player on your team. You know, this is a guy that you expected to take another jump after last year or even maintain that level of play and really carry a lot of the offensive load. You know, what we've probably learned from Mikel is He's not necessarily capable of doing that for a long stretch of the season. Season, you know, there's 
there's segments here or there where he can be that guy. But right now, you know, I think even this game against Boston was a great example. You know, he was not able to get anything going. And yes, they have some great defenders, but really they might have been giving more attention to Cam Thomas in this game. And Mikhail still was not able to be effective offensively. And there's too many times where if things aren't generated for him, he's not generating for the offense. You know, he's not producing out there unless somebody else is setting him up consistently. You know, there's going to be a night against a bad team here or there where he might drop 30, 35 or whatever it is, but it's not consistent. It's not number one or number two option on a championship team. You know, I think that would be my biggest takeaway so far. You know, at the end of last year, a lot of us thought, hey, maybe he could be a second option on a championship team. You know, I wasn't necessarily super convinced. I thought this would be a great test for him. And now as the season progresses, it's definitely leading to him being more of a third option on a championship team, which isn't a bad thing, especially on his contract. But I think if he is going to be that third option, he needs to get his defense back to the level we saw in Phoenix. And so far in Brooklyn, it's been disappointing. You know, there hasn't necessarily been impactful defense from a multiple, you know, in multiple ways. You know, we're not seeing him force a ton of turnovers, be disruptive off ball. We're not seeing him be a lockdown on ball defender and really frustrate guys. You know, there's possessions here and there, but it's not consistent. So overall, Mikel has not lived up to the hype going to the season on both ends of the floor and getting to his quote unquote twin, Cam Johnson, you know, his season has been disappointing as well. And a lot of the disappointment just comes from injury. You know, he's a guy that hasn't been able to stand the floor, find that consistent role, be consistently impactful. Defensively has kind of been all over the place. And he's in question of like, what can he do with, you know, shots aren't being generated for him. You know, I think one thing's pretty apparent with this team is like, they need someone to create advantages for these players to make their life easier because they're not necessarily capable of doing that on their own on a consistent basis. And Cam Johnson's one of those guys. And I think when he signed the contract, we talked about, hey, could he be a third or fourth option on a championship team? You know, I think now you're looking at him as a fifth starter, a six-man type, unless he, you know, gets consistent defensively and offensively find finds ways to have an impact when his shot is not falling. It feels like too many times he's not providing enough offensively if his three ball is not going down. So he is another guy not playing to the level we expected. And also uh, Nick Claxton, you know, another guy you looked at maybe being the second best player on this team going into the season. What could he provide? What offensive jumps could he make? You know, I think there's been flashes. There's been stretches where he's been really good defensively and offensively kind of finding his knack to, you know, get some of those oops and easy buckets and offensive rebound, but it hasn't been consistent. You know, it hasn't been consistent for a guy that wants to get 20 to $25 million this offseason. You know, I think he needs to be at a higher level all the time. And I think offensively, there needed to be a little bit more improvement. You know, some of that, again, is the lack of space and the lack of, you know, Floor generals out there, obviously Dennis Schroeder just acquired in you know the last two weeks, but before that, you know, we relied on Spencer Dinwiddie, who's not great at throwing lobs and was clearly out of it this season. And the other guys, you know, Cam Thomas still developing in that end. Dennis Smith Jr. was probably his best offensive creator in terms of setting him up for shots, you know, early this year, at least from an efficiency standpoint. So Clax this season hasn't been great. And I think you see some of these matchups against you know, good to okay centers and him get outplayed. And then sometimes when he plays a great center, he really locks in. So not, not what you want to see from a guy who wants to get paid and a guy that wants that you are looking to be probably one of your building blocks moving forward. I think, again, you look at everything from the lens of, you know, who can this guy be on a championship team? And there's a lot of question with Clax because of his free throw shooting, but also his limited offensive ability and defensively at times him not being consistent for you know the entire season so 
again, another guy that's not playing to the level we expected going to this year. And I think that alone, those three guys, you were anticipating them be three of your top five best players in this team. And they haven't played like it. And that's a big reason for where you stand right now. You know, we can talk about Ben Simmons and him not playing and missing the big chunk of the season. But to an extent, some of that was an expectation for him. There was no guarantee he was going to play a ton of games based off of what we've seen the last few years. So blaming Ben probably isn't. You know, if you were you were counting on Ben to be an all-star of the season and lead the Nets to a playoff spot, that's probably on you. You know, he clearly is not in a physical state where he can be counted on at least this season, maybe next year. He can make some drastic improvements in the offseason. But again, it's still a lot to ask. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, he's a guy that's been pretty solid, but his role's been somewhat all over the place has dealt with injury here and there and also like the way the Nets play from when Ben's playing to when he's not playing to all these different alliterations of this team have definitely impacted DFS and his overall feel and and also obviously all the trade talk back there too so and I think one of the only positive flashes is Cam Thomas and Cam obviously hasn't been amazing over the last few weeks there's been you know issues here or there in terms of his efficiency scoring wise but there's still been flashes of growth you know obviously we know what he can do as a scorer he can score it in an array of multiple ways he can you know, get to the rim. He can pull up from three. We're seeing the catch and shoot three really take major strides this year. And I think over the course of the last month, we've seen his playmaking and creation for others really show some improvement. And again, better team, better system, better overall feel. Things are going to be easier in that passing department. But with Cam, you know, his role not being solidified and not necessarily given the keys or pushed into a spot where he can excel and Feel free to make mistakes because I think ultimately the best thing for Cam Thomas right now is getting multiple reps on the floor and really exploring his game and seeing what he can do out there. So he needs some help from the organization, the coaching staff to really unlock more this season. And I think that's going to be a big question mark going to post all-star break. What do they do with Cam Thomas? Is he just let loose? And does Vaughn believe in him? The Nets believe in him and just kind of say, hey, if we are going to go anywhere, it's going to be in the back of Cam Thomas and we don't. It's going to be an experience for Cam Thomas to develop and us get a better gauge of who he is as a player. And I think overall, that's kind of what the the decision needs to be going to the post All-Star break. It's, you know, is this Nets team going to fully lock in and try to compete for a playing spot? Or is it going to prioritize developing some young talent? Is it going to give, are they going to give opportunities to Cam Thomas? Is Daron Sharp going to play a big chunk of minutes? Are we going to see Jalen Wilson consistently in the rotation? Are we going to get Noah Clowney up here a little bit more to see what he can do? You know, you look at those guys, all of them mentioned in they're under contract next year and they can develop into good players for this team. You know, Cam Thomas has potential to maybe be an all-star in the future. Maybe that's something that he can be for this Brooklyn Nets organization. And clearly at the state they're in, the talent they have and the goals they want to, you know, get to or achieve, they need good players. They need to develop good guys. And there's not enough good players in this team that are starting level. And there's not enough guys where they have control or a way to lock them up long-term in comparison to what they have. You know, they have Mikel for a few more seasons, but you look at a lot of other guys, again, Nick Claxton expiring, Dennis Schroeder one year remaining on his deal, uh, D- DFS pretty much one year on his deal, and then a player option. You have Dennis Smith Jr., you have Lonnie Walker, you have Trendon Watford, all those guys are expiring. So, you know, 
I think it's important to have a, a feel and figure out what you're going to do in the offseason. And if these the guys that you're going to play have to be the guys that you're looking to keep long term. You know, if a guy is not going to be in your future plans and you're going to let him expire this summer, there's really not a big reason to play him or give him a large opportunity the rest of the season. It's important to prioritize the guys you believe are going to be part of this team moving forward and guys that you could potentially use to build a championship team. And also some of this too is like, all these development pieces aren't necessarily going to work out, but at the very least, you're getting an evaluation of who you have and what they could potentially be down the line. And that's that's important. And that's where you can't waste this opportunity because this season essentially is lost. You know, what's the best case scenario? They make the play and they get knocked out in the first round. That's really the best case scenario in terms of, you know, a, a result of win-loss. Really, the best case scenario is you develop some of these young guys, you find key pieces for this team moving forward, and also have guys raise their value up. And if those guys raise their value, not only does it help you win games in the short term and the long term, but also provides you more flexibility in terms of trading. You know, if you have four or five pieces that attract multiple teams, well, all of a sudden it's a lot easier to make some of those big trades. So again, finding ways to turn the value up or evolve what you have on this roster and what you have moving forward is going to be so crucial. And is Jacques Vaughn the guy to do that? I'm not sure. i probably would tell you no you know gun to my head i would say jock vaughn's not the coach for that you know maybe you go with kevin ali or somebody one of these other player development guys on the bench and really allow that to be the focus because as i mentioned earlier in the show it doesn't seem like the team is really believing in jock vaughn now so again it's been a rough pre-all-star break for this brooklyn nets team it's been a rough season hopefully the second half or the post-all-star break era can give us something to be excited about again it doesn't have to be a 10-game winning streak it can just be Jalen Wilson, Noah Clowney getting good minutes and showing improvement and giving us a confidence that the Nets have some good players long term for the future that they can help build the championship team. Because right now, as I said, you know, the Celtics are top tier, they're championship contender, and the Nets are nowhere close to being able to compete with them. Donovan Mitchell is not changing that. You know, the only player who's maybe changing that is a Joel Embiid, a Giannis, a Luka. Though those type of players maybe could change that, but even still, those guys aren't getting put into a position where they they are now the favorites to win a chip. And usually a lot of time when a star wants to be traded to a team that gives him a better opportunity to win a championship. And the Nets have a lot of work to do to get to that point. They have to really take advantage of this last chunk of the season and see if they can develop some guys and really have some stronger pieces moving forward into next year because what they have right now is just not enough. But as always, big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.